The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. This program is designed to discuss trends in real estate investing, promote financial literacy, and learn how to create financial freedom for your life. Get the hottest tips from experts in real estate investing and more. Now, here's your host, Lori Wetzel. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to my radio show, Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. I am so excited today to be with you. Now, there are two things I want you to remember today if you don't remember anything else. Number one, own a small business. Number two, I want you to invest in real estate. Now, about the format of the show. Our show has four parts. We're going to cover what's hot in real estate right now. We cover different geographical regions throughout the U.S. So today we're going to cover Sacramento region. We also have celebrity guests, authors, and entrepreneurs, and we have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Sharon Lecter, author of Think and Grow Rich for Women, and we also answer your emails, and I might throw in a favorite quote or two. Now, tell me why should you listen to Lori Wetzel? I will tell you why. I'm a light bringer a magic maker, a world shifter, and a game changer. I will challenge you, break you open, uplift and expand you, and I won't let you play small with your life. Having said that, I'm a real estate gal, so I'd love to introduce my first guest, who is a broker out of the Sacramento region. His name is Frank Verney. Now, Frank works with the top producing real estate brokerage in the Sacramento area, and they are committed to one-stop shopping for buyers and sellers of residential properties for homeowners and investors. And they are committed to providing the very best service. So I asked Frank to join me today so he can share with us what is hot right now in the real estate market in Sacramento. So Frank, are you on? Yes, good morning, Laurie. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you so much. So share with me about the real estate market in the Sacramento area. What's hot? Well, what's hot right now is, um, you know, there's a lot of lot less construction going on. So we're seeing inventory being fairly short. Um, the average price of homes in the Sacramento region right now has topped $310,000 over the last uh, month or two. And we're about, oh, probably very close to where we were prior to the crash in 0708. So we're seeing, you know, and then, of course, with the low interest rates, more and more people coming into the marketplace 
uh, a lot more activity in terms of downtown Sacramento, you know, is, um, has a new arena being created uh, for the Kings. So we have a lot of people moving into the area, a lot of businesses coming here. We actually just heard from um, Apple as well as Amazon that they're going to be doing some uh, new centers here for, uh, for call-in. So we have a lot of people coming into the market, but not enough homes. So um, we're finding prices to continue to increase. We're seeing about an 8% increase over last year. Um, and it depends on where you are, of, of course, but uh, the average prices just keeps on going up. So uh, the, hot, the market is hot, uh, wow. and it's a real seller, seller's market at this point in time. Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. This definitely sounds like a seller's market. Now, tell me about multi-units. What's the rental properties like out in Sacramento region? Well, multi-units, uh, again, a lot of, in this area here, we have a lot less apartment buildings type say, per se, but we have a lot of fourplexes, eightplexes, those types of things. Uh, and again, those continue to go up with uh, rents continuing to increase also. So you have, you have a lot of people, um, you know, trying to find a place to live. And unfortunately, uh, with not enough homes, they're having to rent. And uh, I'll give you an example in, in a, a Part of, uh, part of Sacramento uh, County, which is called Elk Grove, um, which is actually where I live, uh, you can rent a, uh, a home uh, for about $1,500, and it's about 1,200 square feet. Apartments in that area are going for in the eight to nine, eight, eight, eight to $1,200 for you know, 1,000 square feet. So uh, it's a very hot market, and they keep on going up. Wow. Um, so, you know, all things considered, I mean, it's on the coast in comparison, say, to New York, for example. That's still pretty reasonable, though. When oh, you think? Very reasonable, very reasonable compared to New York and also to San Francisco. Again, we're not very far from San Francisco, and I'll just throw those numbers at you because I, I stay in touch with that, too. San Francisco is just completely crazy at this point in time. Uh, you can't find a home in San Francisco now for probably less than a million dollars. And um, I was talking to someone the other day who rents a little flat um, outside of San Francisco, actually in a little city called Brisbane, and it's a, it's a condo, um, about 900 square feet, and the rent there is $3,000 a month. $3,000 a month for 900 square rent. feet? Oh, yes. For renting? Yeah, oh, my crazy? goodness. <laughs> I tell you, Sacramento is looking pretty good right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And again, and and we do have a lot of people coming from, uh, in fact, I just sold a home the other day uh, to someone from uh, the Bay Area. Uh, They sold their house for, uh, and it was about a uh, 1,500-square-foot home, Uh, you know, virtually no backyard, virtually no front yard, I think a one-car garage. Uh, and they sold it for $875,000, and they found a home here in the Folsom area, um, and it was, uh, it's about 2,500 square feet with an acre of land. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think, I think we sold it for about 600,000. So a whole different environment. Absolutely. Can you tell me about, uh, do you have foreclosures in your market in the Sacramento region? We actually do. Um, actually, short sales and people being underwater again during the uh, the you know the the major recession we had. Um, this particular area got hit real hard because um, in from 2000 through 2007, construction was just over. Um, new communities just popped up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and what's happened is most of the people that bought their homes in the 04 to 07 range, um, some of them are actually still underwater, believe it or not. When we, when we, um, when we went through the, the recession period, homes that people had purchased for, you know, the three to $400,000 were being sold as short sales and REOs for fifty to $75,000. That's how much of a hit we took. Um, now, a lot of that has come back. But I, uh, at the last number that I saw, we're still looking at about 10% of the homeowners in the, San Francisco, in the, in the Sacramento region still are underwater. Okay, um, and, and for my novices or people who are not familiar with real estate, explain the term uh, underwater. Yeah, underwater means that the amount that they owe on their mortgage is higher than what the value of the property is. And so what they have to do... Um, and, of course, they're not able to make payments. Maybe they've lost their job. But by doing that, um, you know, obviously they can't sell the house. The only way to do that would be to short sell it. And, that, of course, short sales are not really short. But what it means is that the bank is going to be short how much is, is owed to them based on the value of the property. Um, and so that's what's happening. And, and we still see quite a few of those popping up. REOs have dropped down to about 4% of the market. Uh, mm-hmm. But short sales still are pretty pretty active. So you mentioned sh- there's nothing short about a short sale. Most people uh, may think of it is as a time frame, but it doesn't really refer to that. So having said that, tell me what's an average amount of time to execute a short sale? Well, the, the weird part about it is that a lot of the banks, especially the larger banks, um, typically it was taking you know. In the last year or two, we were taking, we were looking at about a four, to, you know, three to five month range. But many of the banks over the last uh, six months have let go a lot of people that were in their short sale department because the numbers have obviously come down, so they didn't need as many people. And of course, the people that they let go were the ones that were knowledgeable about what was happening. So what we're dealing with now is uh, things that used to take a shorter period of time are now taking even a longer period of time. Uh, I'm involved in a short sale right now that we're trying to purchase. Uh, we went into contract in November of 2015, mm-hmm. and we still we still don't have an approval. And they've come back to us numerous times asking for, uh, I'm going to say, basically stupid stuff. <laughs> um, stuff that, well, basically stuff that, I mean, if they were knowledgeable what they were doing, these questions would never be asked. But they are asking them, and, and it's just, you know, you forgot to dot this thing. We had one where where someone forgot to, you know, next to their initial, they had made mm-hmm. a minor change. Um, and so we had to, re- and they wouldn't accept them just reinitialing it. We had to create a whole new document. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, well so <clears throat> I, it would be safe to say that ne- your negotiation skills are key when you're executing a short sale. Would, would that be accurate? That would be very accurate. In fact, um, over the last uh, several years, I've probably done myself, uh, I'm going to say, in excess of 200 short sales, uh, specifically to help people. Everything I do uh, as a broker or as an investor, you know, my major goal is one, and that is to help people, show them options, give them ideas as to what they can accomplish and move forward. So, you know, when I meet someone, I want to find out their situation. What do they want to do? Where do they want to go? How do they want to grow? Um, 
because that's the most important part. To me, commissions are secondary because the commission's there regardless. What's really important is just making sure that I can develop a great rapport with that client, uh, meet their needs, so that going forward, if they have other needs, they're going to recommend me and my team to other folks. So helping folks is number one. Um, you know and, what, and that's Frank? really important. Thank you, because that's actually a perfect segue into my last question. We've got just a couple of minutes left before break. But why why do you do this work? What's what's your passion behind it? Can you share a little oh. bit about that? Yeah, well, I've gone through the craziness of the recession myself. Um, you know, I I lost a lot of homes that I purchased pr- improperly during the uh, the you know the boom time. Uh, I went through foreclosure, went through bankruptcy myself and just had to really understand how to help other people. So when I came out of that, I saw other people struggling, um, you know, going through issues that they didn't understand. And me as a, in real estate, you know, I understood it, but it happened to me too. So if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. Um, and that's what made me just turn around and say, you know what? I have to make sure that this doesn't happen to others. And at the same time, make sure that when they need to invest in property, because even if they're buying it for their own usage, it's an investment. So let's make sure that we do the right thing. Let's find out where they need to be, what they need to do, and then just really present that properly to them and make it happen for them so they can go on with their lives. Frank, thank you so much. Frank Verney, real estate broker and also real estate investor from Quest Realty out in the Sacramento region. Thank you once again for being on this show. Right now, we're going to a commercial break. And then when we come back, we will have our very special guest today, Sharon Lecter, author of Thinking Great, Grow Rich. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Do you feel it when you work with marketing or PR firms? They're moving in slow motion. Or they just don't know what they're talking about. You won't get that on Marketing at Lightspeed. Host Ethan Raziel and his guest experts will deliver tips and tricks that work at Lightspeed. If you want to accelerate your company's marketing, listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to Insights and Strategies with Barbara Lang for a look into the issues that matter to you, such as economic growth and stability, quality education, strong neighborhoods, and accountable leadership. We'll also highlight leadership today, how it can be strengthened, and how it impacts your community. Insights and Strategies is heard live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. This is Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. To reach Lori with questions or comments, please send an email to Lori at meetlauriwetzel.com. Again, that's Lori at meetlauriwetzel.com. Now, back to Keeping It Real. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am for our next guest. Uh, Please welcome Sharon Lecter. She is an entrepreneur and the international best-selling author. Uh, She recently wrote her latest book, Think and Grow Rich for Women, based off of the Napoleon Hill Principles. So Sharon has the, uh, has the ability to, she's such a mover and a shaker. She teaches individuals and businesses across the globe how to improve their finances. She covers money mindset, saving tips, improving your credit. And Sharon is credited as the genius behind the global success of the Rich Dad brand. So she has a partnership with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, so it allows her to just stand out in the personal development industry. And so I want to welcome you, Sharon, to the show today. Welcome. Well, thank you, Lori. I'm delighted to be with you, and I applaud what you're doing to support people in their own quest to financial freedom. Okay, we've got a lot to cover, so let's just get going. Your book, Think and Grow Rich for Women, it is based off of the Napoleon Hill principles. However, it is a celebration of every woman who has succeeded in spite of the obstacles that she has encountered. That's what I really loved about the book. Can you just share with our listening audience some of the major obstacles you have overcome in your life? Well, absolutely. But first, let me just add, as it relates to the book, a lot of people say, why a book just for women? And we, my intent was to honor Napoleon Hill and his original work, Think and Grow Rich. But when it was published in 1937, there were no women in positions of power or business. And so I thought it was important to bring in the thought process, because while I think the steps to success are the same whether you're a man or a woman, we tend to approach them very differently. And that's why when we talk about obstacles in my career, I was one of the first women in public accounting. And so it was a time when we didn't, we just knew we had to work harder. We had to work harder to get the same type of um, raises or the same type of recognition as the men. And that was just a, a fact of the job. And so we did it. We just picked the women that were there. We picked up and we worked a little harder. And it was when we realized that we truly could stand in our own power as women as well. But what happens is I, as I've gone through my career, and it's been a very long career, I'm in my 60s now, but it's, I've seen the progress of women, and I want to celebrate it, but what I've seen over the last few years was women starting to criticize each other and compl- just this incessant complaining. And as you know, 
the, the book The Secret brought out the po- law of positive attraction, the law of attraction, but it was originally written about by Napoleon Hill himself in 1919. Uh-huh. And that's the underlying principle of thinking grow rich is that surround yourself with positive thinking, surround yourself with a positive environment, take positive action, and you'll have positive results. So as women, if we're always complaining and criticizing, what are we attracting? Negativity. So I really got frustrated. I said, let's stop complaining and start celebrating the progress that we've made. Is there still more to do? Yes, of course there is. But we each have the opportunity to recognize our own inner strengths and the strengths of the women around us. And I am not a feminist by any means. I love men. I love working Mm -hmm. with men. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's when men and women come together at the same table that true brilliance happens. Women tend to be better problem solvers than men, but men are more strategic and they're a little better decision makers. We tend to sometimes have analysis paralysis. And so it's when we have those strengths come together, and I've seen it in my own career, my own life, and women bring such value because we tend to look at all sides. We tend to use both sides of our brain. But the biggest issue I've seen in women, and I can, you know, we can, I can name our faults, but I don't want to do that. I want to talk about where our strengths are. But the one biggest area and something that I have conquered in my own life many times is our own lack of self-confidence. Women tend, you know, men can say, I'm an expert very quickly. Women tend to say, oh, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> so... I want women to stand in their own power. I want them to say that no one else has walked in your shoes. No one else has had the experiences you have. What you have encountered in life, both opportunities and obstacles, have created and made you where you are today. And you have an opportunity to share that experience to help others speed their way to success. So each and every one of us. So the whole concept of thinking we're rich for women was to give women the power to stand up in their own power, to join together, work together, and work together with the men who celebrate women as well to create a better world. So, Sharon, what do you attribute the lack of self-confidence overall with women? Is it the guilt trip? Is it this whole... uh, I, I got to keep a balanced life. What, you know, what is it? Well, I think it's a combination of things, Lori. First, I will say, you know, genetically, inherently, we raised in this concept of the little woman at home. So there's still this like inherent thing in our brain that we have to conquer. But, you know, I didn't have that. I was raised in a family where my parents said you can do anything you want to. So that didn't hold me back. But I think there was also this this fear of uh, criticism, and we didn't have the support structure. And that support structure is what we're building now with books like Thinking We're Rich for Women, an organization like EBW 2020, which I own part of, is empowering a billion women by 2020. You know, the, the good old boy network is there, and the structure to support each other in a peer environment is there for the men, but it hasn't been there um, strategically for women. And so we want to provide that because that's when our self-confidence grows. It is just a fact. We And, and I, I believe the whole striving for balance is, is 
is killing us. I think that is, you know, I want to write the book Balance BS, and I don't. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Sharon. (laughs) But there is no balance. We're constantly multitasking. We're constantly doing things. We have. We, we have business, we have finance, we have children, we have our spiritual life, we have our physical life. All of those things work together to create who we are. If you don't like what you did yesterday, maybe you didn't spend enough time with your kids yesterday, don't beat yourself up about it today and feel guilty. Just make a different decision today. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that guilt. You know, there's a, a termination. I, I, I use the term worry a lot, and I, my mother was a champion worrier, so I am too. And the definition of worry is to pray for what you do not want. Wow. And that definition has really helped me in my life. To, okay, worry is to pray for what you do not want. And it allows me now when I get into my, I call it my own little personal rototiller inside when I get into my worry storms, it allows me to stop and say, wait a minute, instead of concentrating on what I don't want to have happen, let me reframe my thought process. It goes back to that positive negative thing we started with. And let me focus on the outcome I do want to have. Yes. And just by allowing yourself to take that moment and stop, you will feel the power flooding back into your body. That is so true. You know, I was um, I was blessed also with my parents sharing with me, hey, you can do anything that you want. Uh, my mom was wise enough to tell me when I was a little girl growing up, she said, you can do anything that you want, but I want you to be prepared. She says, number one, you're female. And so when you go out into the world, there are going to be people that will tell you you can't do it because you're a girl. So just be prepared and ignore them. She says, two, you're African-American. There's going to be some people that tell you you can't succeed. She said, just ignore them and keep doing what you want to do. So, you know, mentorship and planting the seed, having the support structures around you. It's so important. Now, speaking of that, do you belong to a mastermind, Sharon? Yes, I have several masterminds that uh, that I only not only belong to but I lead, um, and it, you know, and quite frankly, a mastermind is just a group of people getting together for lunch mm-hmm. or whatever to just talk about life, um, mm-hmm. success, each other's goals. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be that structured, um, and so a lot of people are intimidated by the thought of creating a mastermind, but that is how we hold ourselves accountable because typically, you know, people that are doing exercises, they tend to be more accountable when they have someone they're supposed to meet than when they're supposed to do it on their own. It's just human nature. And so having a mastermind is something that allows you to expand your mind. You know, the one plus one equals 11, not two. Because as you come together as a group, you're bringing all of your individual educations, all of your individual experiences together. And so it's a huge fertile environment to help someone learn from others' achievements and from others' failures so that you have an opportunity to truly speed your way to success. So one plus one doesn't equal two, one plus one equals 11. 
I never that thought of Yeah, I never thought about it like that. I, that's pretty neat. I'm going to have to keep that posted on my wall. So tell me, um, right before we go to break, how important is it when we have women in the boardroom? What are some statistics that, that, that tell us that female small business owners, women in the boardroom, how important is that to the U.S. and global economy? Well, Warren Buffett himself said the future of the economy is depending on women coming to the table. Now, two out of every three new businesses are started by women. Um, Most of them are under a million dollars, but they are still employing millions of people. So this is a really good news for women, women who have been frustrated with the glass ceiling and have started their own businesses. So we we can't be stopped. We just change direction because it's women creating the future of our economy. And when you talk about women in the boardroom, it used to be, you know, we complain about that. We need more women in the board, and we absolutely do. The last statistic I looked was 18 to 19% of boards um, are comprised of women. We need higher. But in the year 2000, it was only 2%. So we Mm -hmm. have made tremendous progress, and that's why I want us to, to... really recognize the progress that we've made from women gaining authority. We talk about women CEOs in Fortune 500s, okay? There's might be, we're 24 and we're going to lose one of them, so we're 23, but there were only two in the year 2000. So again, we need to accelerate what we're doing and it will come with time as we gain more experience and we earn the right to be in those positions. But we need to celebrate the progress that we've made, and we need to celebrate the men that have opened the doors and supported us in those in that journey. You're absolutely correct, and, and even more importantly than that, capitalism is what makes America great. And so, women as small business owners also fuel this economy. Uh, speaking of which, business owners, women who are business owners, and they run real estate investing companies, other small businesses, that's critical as well. Exactly, and when you talk about larger corporations, you know, Catalyst.org did a survey and it proved that when a board is comprised of two, has two or more women on it, the performance of that company per, outperforms companies led by all-male boards. And that's because you're bringing that talent to the table and they have a better return on investment from, from up to you know, 33 to 50%. They, they get a, a more higher performance. So it's important that we understand the value that women have. And as we continue to stand in our own power and we continue to celebrate ourselves, more doors of opportunity will open. I mean, what... You think of a corporation with a board of old white guys. Are you? Do you think they're going to respond to women yelling at them and criticizing and complaining? Or women coming to them and saying, hey, you bring us onto the board, we're going to pr- improve your bottom line. Again, it's our, we have to have the right approach. We have to prove ourselves, but we also have to, they have to recognize that what we bring is value, not complaints. Absolutely. We're going to delve uh, more into the 15 principles when we return back from the break. Uh, Such a privilege having this conversation today. We'll be right back. Thank you.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you feel overwhelmed by money? Not how much you have, but how to talk about it? We face financial decisions every single day that can change the game for us. Listen for Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjam. You'll learn more about what you can do with your money and ultimately what it can do for you. Don't cower under a rock about investing in personal finance. Talk about it with your family, your friends, and more. Listen every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? I Lead, the Leadership Connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader and by doing so, build a better, more successful and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. To reach Lori with questions or comments, please send an email to Lori at MeetLoriWetzel.com. Again, that's Lori at MeetLoriWetzel.com. Now, back to Keeping It Real. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, our very special guest today, Sharon Lecter, author of the book, Think and Grow Rich, for women, it's so important that we celebrate our successes. And the book is based upon the Napoleon Hill uh, principles. There are 15 of them. So I'd really like to start going through some of them. We'll see how many we get through today. There was so, it's so much wisdom in this book in terms of mindset, in terms of achieving what you want to accomplish with your life, uh, regardless of what you're doing, whether you are a small business owner, uh, say, for example, with real estate investing or simply wanting to live your life to the fullest, this book is for you. So principle number one, burning desire. And you talk about being definitive and being also committed to what you want to have. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. As Napoleon Hill said, it's the starting point of all achievement. Um, that burning desire is what helps you get through the dark times because it's what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's that burning desire to make a difference or to um, achieve success. Uh, you focus, whether you're focusing on building a business or um, having a business through real estate. The issue is, is your burning desire to provide a financial um, foundation for your family 
and you're using real estate as your vehicle. You know, so people say, well, I'm not really passionate about my business. Well, is your business successful? Yes. Well, are you passionate about the profits? So, again, it's that burning desire. Many of us have a, a, a true goal to make a difference in the world. Well, how do you best do that? You, by living a life that can be emulated, by creating something that can help others. The more you can impact others, the greater you will feel fulfilled in your burning desire. But if you look at every successful business out there, there was a singular focus, definiteness of purpose. Okay, that's another tenet of Napoleon Hill's, definiteness of purpose, Uh knowing what your goal is. I often talk to sailors, and I go, you know, when you're sailing, you can't necessarily go from point A to point B in a straight line. You end up tacking a lot. So you have, but you always know where your destination is. And so you can re- calibrate when you get off course to get to your destination. And so that burning desire is what keeps you focused on where you want to go. And that burning desire is what is contagious to the people around you in a very positive way. So the name of the show is called Keeping It Real. So I have a question to ask about that. Even if we may have that burning desire, what happens, Sharon, when you hit a brick wall and and your circumstances creep in and somehow you have a burning desire and you find yourself not following that burning desire because of whatever circumstances that have occurred. How do you deal with that? Well, that's the, the second tenet is faith. You, you, you have to have the faith in yourself. So the, when I wrote Three Feet from Gold, we had the personal success equation. It's, using, it's the combining your passion and your talent. And many of us stop there thinking that we have to do everything on our own. And then finding the right association times A times another A, taking the right action, and then having faith, faith in yourself that what you're doing is needed and necessary, having faith that you are on the right track. It's that burning desire and faith that gets you through the tough times. I don't know anyone that has, you know, the path to success is not a straight line. You go up and down and you end up having valleys. And it's that faith getting you through the valley, faith that picks you up when you're down. It, you know, there's a saying that says it doesn't matter how many times you fall down as long as you keep getting up. And so it's important for people to understand that we are going to have those issues in our life. We are going to get to the point where we think this was, I mean, there was a, I had a company, I thought that was my ticket, that was my, my legacy, and it wasn't. You know, the li- and so life told me, well, that's okay, Sharon. That company's not it, but there's another one. There's a bigger mission for you. And so the issue is understanding what you're open to, what's your burning desire. My burning desire isn't related to a specific company. It's related to um, creating environment for people to take control of their financial lives. That's my burning desire, to, to support others in creating financial freedom. And then my vehicle has been several different companies, several different books, but my mission has never changed. My burning desire has never changed. The vehicle can change, but not the burning desire. 
and having faith in yourself, knowing that because one door closes, it doesn't mean your mission changes. Other doors will open for you. So keeping that faith when you encounter those walls. You have a saying in the book that says, sorrow looks back, worry looks around, and faith looks up. Right? And that faith removes all limitations. I love that. You tell me what was going through your mind. I, I read in the book about a women's conference, I believe, in California in 2012. And the, the projections were off in terms of the amount of income that you had anticipated generating. And then you suddenly found yourself $1.8 million in the hole. Tell me about that. Right. Well, that's one of the gals that I interviewed, Michelle Patterson, that was not me personally, but um, she's somebody that I mentored at the time, and she called me, and everybody was telling her to cancel it, just close the doors. Mm. And she, you'll actually find her story in that persistence chapter, and that is understanding she had to have the faith, and she had to know that what she was doing was right, but she also had to stop listening to the naysayers. And it was through her persistence and driving forward that she was able to complete the, the event, the Women's Conference of California, and she is continuing to build on that legacy. But she could have stopped. People were telling her to quit. And she knew she had that burning desire, she had that faith, and she also had the I'm not going to quit attitude that kept her moving forward. So let's talk about persistence. Uh, and I know I'm jumping around a bit, but I'm, I'm following the flow of the conversation because persistence is the sustained effort necessary to induce that faith. And so that persistence is going to be the key when you have the obstacles that are in your way. Now, in that principle, we also talk about fear being the worst of all enemies. Can you talk a bit about fear? Well, certainly. And in my book, Outwitting the Devil, we released an entire book over the, the fear. And Napoleon Hill says fear is the tool of the man-made devil. We tend to hold ourselves back because fear is created from within. And we allow fear to hold us back. Fear either motivates us or paralyzes us. And most of us, fear paralyzes. We shut down, we close down, we insulate ourselves, and that just perpetuates the negativity. Fear can also motivate us. And we talk about the word courage. Courage, A lot of people say courage is acting without fear. No, courage is acting in spite of the fear. Mm. Having that fear used as motivation to take that next step to step out of your comfort zone, to achieve what others say you cannot achieve. But fear is, you know, there are so many different types of fears. There's fear of, of, of poverty, fear of death, fear of loss of life, fear of loss of love. But one of the biggest ones, I think, is fear of criticism. It's pervasive in today's society. We're so fearful of what other people think of us that we tend not to act when we believe we should, for fear of what others will think. Or we tend to take actions in order to impress others that are not appropriately in line with our goal. So it's important for us to, again, go within ourselves and say, you know, where is this fear coming from? 
and confront it. Confront it and say, this is from inside me. This is me being having a lack of self-confidence, and that is where fear festers. And saying, I'm going to stand in my power. I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on my burning desire. I'm going to have the faith that it's something that needs to be done. The most successful businesses do one of two things. They solve a problem or serve a need. Yes. And always focus on that. You're, you're solving a problem, you're serving a need. So when the day is down, when you have a problem, refocus your brain on the problem you're solving and the needs you're serving, and that will take you again outside yourself and to the greater good, back to your burning desire. And that will help you persevere to keep going. That is so awesome, Sharon. I love it. These are the little tips that you really want to focus on and to achieve and accomplish. You may go off your path a little bit, but that's okay. You can get back on the path and focus. And speaking of focus, there's a principle called auto-suggestion. Because you talk about influencing the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is almost like the default uh, that you go to. And sometimes if you don't guide it appropriately, it can take you astray. You talk a little bit about auto-suggestion. Sir, I'd like to start talking about auto-suggestion by asking your listeners, has there ever been a time when you've, like, overreacted either to a spouse or to a friend and you go, where did that come from? (laughs) And it came from your your subconscious mind. And so you want to feed your brain both consciously and subconsciously. And auto-suggestion is something that helps give you a constant reminder of positive input or... If not, it can be negative input. I tell people that probably five or six years ago, I realized that I was always running the news in the background to kind of keep up with what's going on in the world. And I realized I was like edgy all the time. So I stopped listening to the news all the time. I, you know, I check in in the morning and night to find out what's going on. But it made a huge difference in my environment. So again, what is it that you're feeding your brain when you're not even paying attention do you have wonderful music playing in the background? Are you listening to audiobooks? Are you allowing yourself to feed your subconscious with positive inputs? Um, you know, a lot of people say put quotes on your mirrors is something that says, you know, have a great day. You are fabulous. Um, it's something you know, I teach women entrepreneurs from around the world. I, they all leave saying, I am fabulous. I am fabulous. And so it's, again, understanding that you are feeding your brain and it feeds your faith, and it feeds that burning desire. You, you know, can I, either do it intentionally, or it will be unintentional, and that unintentional feed may not be positive. You know, I just got to share with you a bit about the negativity that's just that's going on in the world today, and I, I do too. I just tune it out, um, because uh, if that's what you focus your mind on, you'll soon find yourself attracted to that negativity. Um, and yes, you, you definitely have to keep uh, track of current events. But I got to share something with you. Um, I'm so busy. I don't have an opportunity to watch television. 
uh, a, a lot. Uh, if I do anything, I'll DVR shows. But I think I might be the only person on this earth that doesn't like to watch Scandal. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't find it attractive. A lot of it has to do with the negativity that comes to it. And people get juice out of the drama. And for some reason, that just doesn't excite me at all. So, I, you know, I don't watch it at all. To me, it's, it's just negative. What are your thoughts on, on television, per se? Well, the reason it's been so successful is that um, people feel that they don't have enough drama in their own life. I mean, if you think about... The soap operas, you know, even when I was growing up, housewives were watching soap operas, like, incessantly. Um, so it's, that, it's that, that craving we have for excitement in our life. And what happens, even as children, you know, I see it all the time. Our public school system, I love, we have fantastic teachers, but the inherent structure of our public school instruction is one that teaches conformity. Mm. And when you become, when you teach conformity, you drum out curiosity. Curiosity is the fuel for entrepreneurship. Curiosity is the fuel for lifelong learning. Conformity is its enemy. And so we see that in everyday life. People, you know, people go through life almost numb. They get up, they go to work, they come back home, and so they turn on the TV to get a little excitement in their life. And it's all of our jobs to say, wait a minute, let's create that passion in your own life. You don't need to watch TV. You don't need the scandal because you've got so much passion in your own life that you create that excitement. Uh, While others who are watching that don't feel, they're numb. They don't feel that same passion or that same excitement in their own life. So they plug into it at night on TV. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. Well, listen, we have about five more minutes, Sharon. So I really want to have a conversation with you about your passion. And I know that is in financial literacy. Now, I believe in June of 2013, Um, In your book, you talked about Governor Jan Brewer of Arizona signing a bill into law, ensuring that high school students are proficient in personal finance. How is that project coming? And do you have any other projects that you're currently highlighting at the moment? Yes, absolutely. We have, um, we did that the high school students in Arizona, is something that has to be done state by state now are required to have personal finance before they graduate as part of an economics curriculum that they are required to have, an economics class before they graduate from high school. So I'm very proud of that. I have been um, working with Matt Salmon on a bill to require financial education for anyone getting a federally backed student loan, which would be a federal bill that's in the um, early stages. We'll see if we can get that one through in D.C., but I also, um, you know, my goal, what I've, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've joined forces with um, Ingrid Vanderbilt in creating a company called EBW 2020, which stands for Empowering a Billion Women by 2020. And I'm very excited for the first, you know, we're combining our talents, that one plus one equals 11, our backgrounds, our brands, to make a bigger impact, to make a bigger footprint. 
And as part of that, I have developed and created a what I call the Money School. It's a 12-week program that teaches every facet of finances, from personal finance all the way through corporate finance. Um, one of the gals that took it said that she got more value out of it than the $64,000 MBA she paid for. So <laughs> it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, it's a 12-week online curriculum. It's self-paced, but we have a, a, an ongoing um, Facebook, private Facebook page where you get continued support and consultation from me on specific questions, plus I do several um, webinars during that time period as well. And that's something that I'm very, very proud of. Our next one's going to be starting in August, so if anybody is interested in more information, you can um, reach out to me, info at SharonLector.com. The other program I have is, you know, most of my career I've tried to reach millions of people through my books and products. Um, A year ago I started something called the Master Mentor Program, and I have a group of individuals who I work with one-on-one in supporting them, taking their companies to the next level. And it has been such a gift to me to be able to work side-by-side with these individuals and see them grow, see them really turn their companies into the, the much larger and much more impactful, and to see them grow individually, standing in their own power, it has been a huge, huge gift to me, and I've been just so thrilled with it. And it's called the Master Mentor Program, and we also do mentoring through EBW 2020. So if anybody has any questions about that, reach out to me, info at SharonLector.com, and we'd be happy to set up a call. Sharon, our time has ended. I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your light, uh, being able to guide us as we live our lives as entrepreneurs, business owners. We do it through real estate investing. Many people may do it through other small businesses. But your words of wisdom today has just has been enlightening and I want to thank you once again if you want to support Sharon in her endeavor for financial literacy with either the master mentoring program or EBW 2020 please contact Sharon at info at SharonLector.com that's info at SharonLector.com Sharon, much success to you as you continue on with your success, both domestic and internationally. And as if anything our listeners can do to support you, just let us know. Uh, thank you, you are once fabulous, again. Lori. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. That's it for Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. Once again, it has been an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I want to thank my guests, both Frank Verney, who's the broker out in uh, the Sacramento area, uh, discussing the real estate trends out in that on the West Coast in Sacramento, and also Sharon Lecter, author of Think and Grow Rich for Women. Until next time, take care, and I want you to keep it real. Thank you so much for tuning into Keeping It Real. Be sure to join Lori Wetzel again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Central, and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We know you'll learn something new every week, so we'll meet here again soon. Until then, focus on keeping it real and live a life of success.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 